Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Pastor Talk. My name is Ethan, and I'm joined tonight by Pastor Keith Castleberry. So, as always, and for those of you who have never been here before, uh, we're going to let you know that we want to see you in the comment section. We want to see you busy typing away, uh, keep this conversation going. And uh, one big thing for us is a question that we're going to open up with. And that question for tonight is this. Who has been your greatest influence in your life to this point? Who has been your greatest influence to this point? So uh, I'll let Pastor Casper start with his answer. Who has been your greatest influence? I, I know we can say there's a lot of influences. Everything influences us. Yeah. But who yeah. has been probably your greatest influence in your life? Go ahead. Well, okay. Can I explain myself pretty clearly? Please. All right. First of all, of course, the greatest influence in our lives, I believe, is those people that raised us, our mom, dad, right. and even our grandparents. But uh, I'm 52 years old. I've been married 30, getting ready to be, I'm not 52. I'm getting ready to be 52. I'm getting ready to be married 32 years. And I would say the most uh, impacting person in my life would be my wife my wife she's pretty impressive she blows my mind all the time and is always um oh my she's always uh aggravating me frustrating me angering me uh and telling me the truth and and <laughs> telling me what to do better and uh i mean everything so yeah definitely my wife and you know you, that's a tricky question because i've got you know, parents and then my wife, but then, you know, my pastor, Brother Macy, and before him, of course, Brother Williams. So it's just, it, but yeah, definitely my biggest influence in my life, definitely my wife. Absolutely. Okay. Well, you heard it from the pastor. His wife is one of his greatest influences. Uh, now, how about you? This is the question for tonight. For those that are joining right now, who has been your greatest influence in your life? This could be early childhood, this could be recently, this could be anything. But put that in the comment section, because we want to see the comment section blowing up tonight. Uh, but tell us, who has been, and you don't have to name names, but uh, you could say it's my dad, my mother, my uncle. Uh, it's just how it is. We, we want to hear that. So uh, we want to see what's going on. Sister Castleberry, uh, my parents and grandparents, and of course, my pastor. Wow. Who said so that? Kind. My wife? <laughs> Ah, my sweetheart. <laughs> right, so that's the that's question. Pretty cool. We want to hear it. Uh, we're just a few minutes early, so let's warm those fingers up, and uh, let's get some practice in before yeah. we get into the discussion for tonight. Who I think another thing. I think events? another thing is you could ask that question in what has been your most influential thing in your life, and I think sure. if I was to answer that, it would probably be my mistakes. <laughs> oh yes, yes. you know. Because they have really changed everything about me. Because you you think one way, and then you make mistakes, and you think, oh man, that was wrong, and you have to try to straight. Anyway, yeah. So go right. ahead. Sorry. And uh, I think even now, especially in these times, we recognize our influences. Yeah. Uh, as as times get worse, we see how we react. Uh, we see uh, what comes out of us in times of stress and worry and anxiety, uh, things like that going on in our lives, we're going to find out who really influenced us, who we actually watched, who we tried to imitate. So who influences you? So that's the question. Those in the comment section, let's see it. 
Who has influenced you? Oh, that's good. My I, mistakes. I, Mandy, Mandy okay. Wasaji says, uh, youth pastor and Bible quiz coach. That's yes. awesome. You know, that's incredible. Teachers, I think teachers are um, a big influence on our lives, obviously. Right. They just... I remember Miss Fountain and and oh, I think she's third grade or whatever it was back in yeah, she's big influence. Always smiling, always kind. But anyway. Right. And this goes without saying, but there are positive and negative influences. So there are probably people in your life that have influenced you in a negative way. Yeah. You don't have yeah. to admit to the details, but <laughs> it's true. Uh, we've yeah. seen some things. Every single one of us have probably seen things, been in, in environments where we have been influenced. For the positive or for the negative so something to think about yeah just to clarify i will say i'm definitely thinking in the positive about my wife <laughs> <laughs> you say well, who's your biggest influence my wife oh it's been horrible you know uh -huh. <laughs> oh it's been really good it's been amazing sure sure he's got to say yeah <laughs> she's listening all right, so tonight we do have a couple topics of discussion, uh, one of yeah. which we were intending to speak on last week, and we rolled over into this week. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about ethics, uh, especially in times of pressure. Ethics, those things yeah. that are tested when everything else is falling apart. So ethics, yeah. we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about tribalism. And what was this, the third thing? Just preparing. Well, I think preparing for, for a very unknown future, probably a harder future. Right. Yeah, harder future. How, how, why would you say that? That's terrible. We, we couldn't. <laughs> we don't want to think about things like that. Right. Right. But this is our generation. This is our, it's just our world. For such a time as this. Yes. That's right. All right. So, so again, if, if you're late coming on and you're just now joining us right now, go ahead. Let us know who's been your greatest influence in your life, whether that be childhood, adulthood. Who has influenced you? Uh, maybe another time we'll talk about maybe books that influence things that have led you. But tonight specifically, who has influenced you? It could be positive. It could be negative. And while you write that down, pastor's going to open us up with our first topic of discussion. And let's just get into it and feel free. Make sure the comment sections are rolling. Put in some comments. Let us know what you think. We want to hit off that, use it uh, to spark some discussion tonight. Okay, go ahead. All Pastor. right. All right. Well, I'm, I'm actually opening up with a, with a topic, with a discussion topic that we meant to spend more time on a week or two ago and we didn't. And that is just ethics in hard times and how we how our ethics mo are modified during hard times. And so really, I, I, I said this, like I said, a week or two ago, and I, but I've seen a lot of what you would think originally was good people doing some really dumb things uh, lately. And I've seen people that you would think if they were, if they're running and gunning, what I call running and gunning, if they're making money and they're living good and everything's going their way, they're ethical. You know, but when things go bad, they all of a cut. They they all of a sudden become very, um, you know, uh, a, a predator almost. They begin to cut corners and do things wrong and and do things that are that are benefit them without any consideration for others. And and I think that what that what that harkens to is really. To, and I know that the core of that is just basically sin. We know 
that the root cause of unethical behavior is sin. And like, like we said, and it's kind of a combination of multiple things, but like we said earlier, this time period that we're in now isn't making us anything, but it's exposing who we really are. And I think that one of the problems with our ethics is our, and I'm not talking about people on this screen, but maybe I'm, I'm just really talking about the world in general, because I've dealt recently with several people that uh, did not treat me right at all. And, you know, as a pastor, I, I mean, they, Oh man, it's just crazy how I don't want to get into too many details, but it's just crazy how they mistreat you now. But you know, maybe a year ago or six months ago, everything would have been different. And I think that a trial that we have to go through as a church and as, as Christ followers is holding on to our ethics while we go through problem times, while we go through trouble times. And, and I think we have to be aware of that in order to guard ourselves from failing not only ourselves but failing failing god and you know it's it's just a it's just a precarious place we put ourselves in when we don't have some things defined in our life this i will not treat someone like whatever i will not steal i will not cheat here's one that i've seen uh right. cheating on taxes cheating on you know, their pay, whether they get paid by the hour or whatever. Right. I think that's huge. And it really is defining um, a group of people in our world that we, like I, like I said to, recently, I think I said it to my wife, There, there's been people in our lives that I thought, man, these people are, they're, you know, right, what I would just say, dead on. They're, they're solid people. But then all of a sudden, all the problems come and they're falling all over themselves in this selfish, self-styled, whatever it is, you know, I don't, it's just, it's strange how people that you think was going to stand and under the pressures of, of problems can't, and they become right. unethical. And I'm not talking about just stealing, you know, or robbing or whatever, uh, Tim and, and, and taxes and things like that, but, but just turning their back on people that love them, turning their back on, the word of God, turning their back on the church. It, it's happening all over the place. Um, I, I see it. I'm on a, I'm on a couple of pastor pastors forums and I hear it all the time where a church maybe, and I'm just using round numbers and, and probably not totally accurate, but a church will be running a hundred people and everything is moving along. And then all of a sudden all this hits, and 40 people can't be reached and they're nowhere to be found. And then, you know, all of a sudden they show up and it's just, it's just the world we live in is creating an unethical um, environment. Right. It's, it's disrupting the status quo. It's disrupted what was normal yes. to them and what they could even get away with. Yes. Uh, and I say they, it's, it's all of us. Yeah. Uh, it shakes up all the way to the smallest things in our life uh, that we have issues with. And if we're not yeah. careful, we let issues that are small develop in times like yeah. this to very yeah. large. It's revealing us. It's revealing right. some things in our lives. It mm -hmm. really is. And and as I said, and I don't think that this is a topic that we all want to hang on to for very long or talk about very long, but it is a topic that we need to recognize. It's happening in our world. 
And I think what we need to do is, first of all, watch our own ethics, but then we need to remind ourselves in dealing with other people, they're not going to act appropriately at times. And we need to be wary of that and then ready to protect ourselves and not, I'm not talking about crazy, but just don't fall, don't be gullible. Don't be, don't fall right. for some of these unethical practices that people are doing. And it's very common right now. Right. And I think that, that starts with a predetermination of absolutes. Yes. Uh, yeah, absolutely. What is absolute in my life? <laughs> yeah. So we've got to determine that now, even though we think we're under pressure now and we're having issues now with people, uh, mm -hmm. we've got to determine it now more than anything. So, uh, determine absolutes and also determining absolute truth. What mm -hmm. do you believe? Uh, because mm -hmm. what will be shaken <laughs> everything, it will be shaken. Yeah. Yeah. It's the scripture I, I actually had from Sunday. One thing that I think that, um, one absolute that should define all of these things for us and we're going to, I'm getting a little ahead of myself and maybe not, maybe it's a good time to transition into this topic, but I am a Christ follower before I am anything else. Right. And that absolute should fix my responses on almost everything. How I treat people, what I do, where I go, that paradigm, if you, I don't know, that's not the right word, that perspective. I am a cross follower before I'm a Castleberry, before I'm a, a, a liberal or Democrat or conservative or before I'm rich, poor, before I'm white, black. None of that matters. None of that matters. But I am a cross follower and that redefines everything. Right. And I so, would say you also have to define what is a Christ follower or which uh, picture <laughs> of Christ are we yeah. viewing? Because so many in the world can see Christ as one thing Whereas we're seeing Christ as another when we look from a biblical perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think one of the things that, uh, and, and basically what, well, let me re, let me make sure like this. I would define Christ as he is only as he is seen in the word of God. There you go. Right. Period. Whereas other people, or, right, right. Um, you know, and, and like, like it's been kind of argued lately, that we're having this conversation. Well, you know, Jesus Christ wasn't white. Well, I don't know what color he was. I'm not sure. Right. That doesn't matter to me, you know, but they have this vision of Christ and not just in a physical sense, but people have this, this idea of what is acceptable and not acceptable without reading the word of God. Right. Bad, bad situation. Oh, yeah. uh, it's I agree. simply that terrible situation. Yeah. So uh, what do y'all think? What do y'all think about ethics? We want to see you in the comments section. How has um, ethics revealed themselves or the lack thereof? Uh, have you noticed this in different events recently? Uh, people where, who would otherwise not have acted out, act out in some pretty big issues, and their ethics are revealed. Yeah. Um, you you know what? That's where we're going on the tribalism here in a little bit. Mm -hmm. that's, that's where we're headed right now. Right. We're seeing young people and even older who are doing things they've never done before mm -hmm. if it wasn't for the group they're in mm -hmm. or the mm -hmm. uh, seed of <laughs> ill intent that has just grown. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think one of the things that, that uh, and I'm going to say this term again, assuming we all agree that a Christ follower 
is following the Christ of the Bible. But, and then I'm talking about the whole word, Genesis Revelation. But one thing that I think we are seeing, it is a very uh, indicative of the um, world conundrum we're in, is that people are migrating into tribes and, and, mm -hmm. and causes that they wouldn't have done that if they were really, really following Christ. They wouldn't have gone to that event. They wouldn't have done this or done that because we are above all things. We as individuals, as Christ followers, should be find, seeking peace with all men. We should have peace with all men. And I think we have to be very careful of boasting or bragging or, um, you know, advertising how great we are or how, how good we are Virtue or signaling. say it again. Virtue signaling, making sure. Everyone yes. Knows. Yes. I think it's, I think it's, uh, who, who we, we can ask the question who defines virtue, who virtue. defines Morality. what's appropriate or what's mm -hmm. good. Who is, is any of us without sin? Have we all, are we all just perfect? And no, you know, I, and I believe you can strive for maturity and strive for perfection. Uh, but, you know, I, I forgot who said it, but he's, I think it was Paul said, my righteousness is filthy rags in the sense that none of us are as good as we think we are. Mm -hmm. And we're all going to stand before God and we're all going to have flaws. But how those flaws are taken care of, I'll, I'm actually into preaching now. Anyway, yeah, we have to be careful I think you use the term virtue signaling that is like got it. It's like an octopus in our society right. and it's just wrapped its tentacles around everybody's head. Well, you have to prove them. yourself apparently. Yeah. Prove your morality. Yeah. Uh, go get on Instagram and get a picture of you uh, helping somebody and then walk away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a, what was that? Only, what was only that? What is uh, Instagram matters apparently. Yeah. What was that Instagram model or whatever it was? Yeah. that went and picked up a hammer and, she posed like she was helping uh, drill a screw in to help board yeah. something or something like that. She and somebody was videoing her and she didn't realize it. All right. Yeah. It, it was all fake, yeah, that's all what staged, it was. but she had to make sure the world knew that she played a part as she got out of her Mercedes and walked to the wall and worked for about a half a second. Literally, literally. I right. saw the video. And uh, then when the video came out, she's like, Oh, you know, I'm shouldn't have done this, that, and the other. But that's, that is so rampant in our world today. We've got to make sure everybody knows I'm a good person. Mm -hmm. You know, our words are, words are cheap. Yeah. Words are cheap. And even, even joining certain causes are easy because everybody's doing it. Yeah. What is really hard and what really needs to be done is not talking words. And, and I say words, but you can even Instagram or, but, but actually just doing yeah. What is right Even in the 24 shadows, seven? No one knows. And nobody's looking. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. That's the, that's the world, the world we live in. And I think our, I think our audience, and I, I know I'm not, I don't know everybody in our audience, but I think if you're listening to this podcast, you probably agree with me. I mean, it's not, we're not, you know, we don't have the, um, the low lives of society here. Yeah. Right now we're <laughs> in an age of social media where if you don't post a certain theme or certain yeah. message, then you failed. Uh, yeah. It's all about what you post. It's what you present. 
Uh, not yeah. really about what you believe or what you do. Yeah, I've, I've noticed now, I will say this, and I think it might, uh, you know, there's what they call the silent majority. Mm-hmm. You know, recently, because of the protest and all that kind of stuff, everybody was in shock. It kind of rose up real quick within about a week or two. I mean, it was like all over the nation. And recently, we've, we've seen counter protests starting to take place. Now, obviously, uh, racism is wrong and counter racism is wrong too so i'm not i mean violence is wrong but combating violence with violence is also wrong but what we've seen is this new movement of just normal common people standing up saying no this is not the way we all you know not everybody's not racist and this this you know statue good statues of good men that weren't racist or weren't slave owners or whatever else they're tearing them down for no reason and they're now now there's this movement coming along and i think in a sense the you know rioting is a response is kind of a trigger rioting is triggered by an event and this will it'll peter out people will get tired of <laughs> rioting and and you know protesting they're going to go Eventually, they're going to just get tired because it, it's just going to lose its fire. But I think underlying all of our society is that silent majority that is strong, silent, just doing what's supposed to be done. While we're in shock of what we see, I think that's 3%, 4% of society. Right. And there, that's the ones virtue signaling. I'll get back to the topic we was talking about. That's the ones that's saying, oh, if you don't act like me or you don't say like me, you know, I think we've got to be very, very careful of getting caught up in junk like that, well, especially as Christians. And, and sadly, right now, the media is pushing certain causes. Uh, they won't push some causes, but they'll push others. And so right. if there's something that will benefit the agenda, whatever that may be, mm-hmm. whether it be a liberal or progressive agenda, that's what's pushed in the news right now. Uh, I think we talked about it today. It's the rioting happening in uh, Atlanta. This stuff's not even on the news right now. It's not even being pushed because, you know, it's just old hat. They moved on right. to a new cause. Right. Right. Yep. Yeah, there, there, there's and, – and people are getting bored of hearing it and seeing it, and so it's certain aspects are not being said, not being shown. Uh, and, and I'm not saying that they're not justified in, in being uh, – and even even protesting protest uh legal protest is good i'm talking about true protest Necessary. i'm not talking about rioting it's right. okay to protest it's okay to to make your voice known but we as a church and i don't have i might find a scripture but uh we as a church we're not supposed to run with people like that we're not supposed to run to rioting and causing problems and so I think, though, that, that as a whole, our society is really, oh, man. And, and I, the thing is, I don't have facts for all this, but I just, I can't believe that more than, than 75, I mean, more than 20% at the most of our society is that unethical right. and that radical that they're willing to hurt people, burn down businesses, you know, be, become unethical. I think for right. the most part. 
I, I might be wrong again. And then so they're anyway. doing so many of them are attempting to point to those who, or they, they hold the sign, silence is compliance, you know, uh, silence is complicit. Uh, if you're not on the, for this tribe, if you're not uh, for this cause, even if you believe it's worthy, but if you're not doing what I'm doing specifically, then you're wrong. It's morality policing. It's, it's something that's trying to uh, incriminate others. And so they're, right. they're developing the tribes, developing the groups. And uh, it, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. I, I think I'm looking up that scripture that says we're not supposed to run uh, to shed, uh, not to run, but to shed innocent blood. Yeah. And um, there's several other things there that it, I think it's in Proverbs, but I'm not, I'm not 100% positive, but um, yeah, it so says here, okay, here it is. The, these six things does the Lord hate. Yeah, seven are an abomination. And of course that abomination is, is makes him sick. A proud look, which by the way, just think about that. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, um, a heart that devises wicked imaginations, feet, there we go, feet that be swift and running to mischief, right. a false witness that speaks lies, and he that sows discord among brethren. So I, I just think that as as Christ followers, we have to, as you, you and I, and anybody listening to us, you have got to weigh what these people are saying and what their motives are. And I'll give an example. And I'm, I'm going to be, well, I'm, I'm not going to be careful. This is just the way it is. Black Lives Matter, BLM, started out as a, you know, a, um, I don't know what you call it, a movement to protect or to uh, protest against black men and women that are being... Police brutality. Right, police brutality. But now I went on their website, and, and I'll, I'll flip over there real quick right now while I'm thinking about it. But uh, in, if you go to blacklivesmatter.org, I think that's it. Hang on a second. Let me find it. Blacklivesmatters.com. And you go to what, what matter uh, about, and then we say what we believe, and it tells their history about halfway down, um, or maybe a little bit more than that. It says, here we go. We are guided by the, by the, flag, back, ah, the fact that all black lives matter, regardless of actual or perceived sexual identity, gender identity, gender expression, economic status, okay, blah, blah, blah. Oh, no. We make space for transgender brothers and sisters. We are self-reflective and do the work required to dismantle cisgender privilege and uplift black trans folk. Cisgender is those of us, I'm, I would be considered cisgender, those of us that say, I was born a male, I am a male. That's the cisgender. So they're, they're self-reflective and do the work required to dismantle that. But keep on going. Uh, let's see, we practice empathy. We make our, oh, here's one. We make our spaces family friendly and enable par parents to fully participate with their children. But the next paragraph, we disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement by supporting each other as extended families and villages that collectively care for one another, especially our children to the degree that mothers, parents, and children are comfortable. We foster a queer affirming network when we, when we gather. We do so with the intention of freeing ourselves from the tight grip of heteronormative thinking, or rather the belief that all in the world are heterosexual. It's just, it started out maybe as a good organization, but the thing is, 
we've got to be very aware that these and there's many of them it's crazy at how many of them are going on right now the protests and the, and the movements and all these things there is tribalism tribalism of course we use the word tribalism because it came from tribes you know centuries ago but tribalism has always existed but what it's causing is or what it's what it's kind of manifesting itself now in the sense that what used to be people were in a church in a high school or in a college and they cheered one another on and they had uh, friendly competition between them and of course then there's nationalism and all that kind of stuff globalism even and we were getting into a lot of mess but tribalism was just you took care of people within your tribe so to speak you cared for each other and you protected one another and that was kind of the way you grew up uh, even a family can can somewhat be a tribe so to speak I've heard of some big but ones. but now we are in this era that tribalism is lifting its head and diverting people away from simply being good neighbors. You, I mean, yeah. being just a good man, just just caring for one another. And 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 we know we know nations are going to rise against nations. We know all this stuff's going to happen. But man, I'm not the nation. I'm just Keith Castleberry following Christ, I'm trying to help everybody. And I think that is one of the places that, that the church has got to shake ourselves, wake up, don't get entangled in all of this mess that the world is doing because it's not going to end good. Tribalism is not of God. And, and to connect that, what do you say to those who insist on uh, ethnic guilt or maybe issues of, of ancestors, generations, that kind of well, thing. The, the Bible, let me, let me go back to the Bible. Let me get my Bible real quick, uh, open it back up. Uh, the Bible talks about that in multiple places. And the first thing, the first thing that we have to see is that scripture tells us that, uh, let me find it. Let me see if I can find it in Deuteronomy. And it says it multiple places, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Deuteronomy 20, Deuteronomy 24, 16, the fathers shall not be put to death for the children, neither shall the children be put to death for the fathers. Every man shall be put to death of his own sin. Okay, that's Old Testament. You're going to die because you did something. But look at Ezekiel 18 and 20. The soul that sins, it shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. I can't help what my dad did. Guilt, like, yeah. Right. Yeah. In other words, I can't, I mean, I'm, I've got a good, I've got good parents, but if my dad did something wrong to somebody, I can't help that. I mean, I can't help that. I didn't do it. And here I am as a man living and because of the pigment of my skin, or the, the tongue that I speak, or the language I speak, or whatever else, I'm being chastised for something that was done 200 years ago just because of my lack of, I forgot what they call it, melan, melatonin or whatever it is. Right. I can't help that. DNA is a cruel, <laughs> I mean, DNA is just one of those things that I can't help, 
where I was born, who I was born to, none of that. And it's crazy that we're, and it goes back to this tribalism. We've got to create individual tribes and compete against each other so we can be, you know, one up on you. It's not the way we're supposed to be living. Right. And if we're not careful, this these kind of things uh, sneak into Christianity, sneak yes. into those who yeah. claim to be part of the church, the body of Christ. Yeah. And that's a scary yeah. thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think I think when we get to heaven, uh, if we make it, <laughs> but, uh, but it, when we get to heaven, I think it's going to be full of every nation, tribe, tongue, yes. everything. And I think I'm, I'm just saying I'm not I'm not God. But I think God is going to let that be part of heaven, that that mixture of colors and languages and all that. I, I mean, I could be wrong. We're all going to understand each other and all that. But I'm just saying heaven's not going to be, you know, this all, I mean, I'm putting myself in there, white, male, Anglo-Saxon, right. proxy, you know, wasp. I'm just not going to be that. It's not going to be that. No. It's going to be everybody. Right. And we've got to get used to that. Uh, I don't know. I say used to it. I don't know. No getting used to it. It's just the way it is. And right. it's the way it is on the earth. And yeah. I think that, I don't think a church should be all white or all no. black or all Hispanic. I don't think a church should be that way. I, I think a church should be mixed. I mean, obviously there's language barriers and that's different. Mm -hmm. there, there's, there's, you know, Mandarin and Spanish, all that. That's different. But if but if you speak the same language, it should it should be a church for all people. I agree. Yep. We need to be practicing heaven right now. Yeah. Not worried. right. Right. And and uh, I'm I'm sorry I got a little little caught up. I got a little emotional or whatever. But I wasn't even paying attention to the comments. Sorry, y'all. I see. Uh, let's see. Galatians three twenty eight and Colossians three and eleven should be the examples that we follow. There is neither Jew. There you go. Boy, perfect. Wayne Evans. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Absolutely the fact. And as simple as that. That and, and there and of all things that I would personally desire to use, it be scripture. My opinion's one yeah. thing, but scripture is it's everything. <laughs> yeah. And what do you think about say it seems as if to me, just by looking at the news and what is being presented to us, because oftentimes that could be uh, jaded in areas. So, but it does seem that many are rallying uh, about things that they're against. That that's, seems to be everything. Every week there's some new cause, something that we've got to fight against. Uh, what can we fight for? What are some things as a pastor that you see that we should be fighting for just as hard as what we're against? Well, I think that should be the kind of the context of our lives. I, I know that there are people that have gone to churches and all we do is, or excuse me, all we do, not me, but what, what they hear is everything we're against. We're, you know, here's a list of everything we're against. Right. You can't really live for God like that. And as a pastor, I think we, let me, let me put it to you this way. If I can get people to fall in love with the truth, me trying to prescribe to them what they can't do is almost entirely taken care of. Right. <laughs> it's that simple. If I can get people to fall in love with the truth and fall in love yeah. with God, fall in love with the church 
and and I'm not trying to do that in some ulterior weird way, you know, that I'm I'm bribing people to you know follow. Me. I can't make you fall in love with the truth, but at the same time, I do know from experience that you can just say, you know what, this is the truth, and I'm going to love it. I'm going to get everything I. And I think once we get that passion into into people's lives, and people have that passion in their lives, then you don't have to have this list of do's and don'ts because you're you're always in it. You're always reading it. But as a pastor, uh, I think you know this hyper sensitivity and, like you said, this um, uh, virtue signaling. What what'd you say? Morality. Say it again. I was saying hyper vigilance into their causes, their morality, right. things that they believe is valuable. Right. Uh, I think they, those things need to be really weighed out. Like I, like I alluded to on Black Lives Matter, you know, they started out okay, but man, they are so far off now. And I think th some of these causes that, you know, we need to write for this cause or protest for this cause. When you really began to study them, what, how deep do they go? What is, what's really the underlying problem? What's the really the underlying cause? And I think that we can find, we can, we can be, pulling out the splinter out of everybody else's eye. We've got beams in our own. Yeah. I think we just need to take care of our own lives, stand for righteousness, stand for justice, love one another, and strive to do good unto all men. Let yeah. our good works be known unto all men, not what we stand against all the time. Right. And I think we're active uh, standing for some things. It's actually pretty productive. Uh, yes. Yeah, standing, you know, as a church, it's easy to stand for good things because we, I mean, our, we got missionaries and, and man, all kinds of, of, of outreach things in the community, outreach things across the world. We're, we're trying our hardest to help people drill water wells and, and uh, orphanages and all these things. And, you know, that is, that is easy for the church to do. But individually, we must also make up our minds. I want to be a part of something productive, beneficial, something that's, so to speak, beautiful in its own way. So right. I want to be a part of something great that is productive and beautiful. Yeah, and I think those are things that we need to create habits in, uh, especially in the times that we live. I know in the beginning of this video, you mentioned that the possibility that things could get worse. <laughs> yeah. And that was something yeah. that many of us probably don't like to hear that yeah. this is just the beginning. Uh, so with that in mind, uh, what are some things that you feel we need to be looking out for as a pastor? Uh, what do we need to prepare for? Okay, so let me go back just a second. I had this funny thought and I giggled to myself because I have this bad habit of calling people idiots, you know? Oh, so, and, and that is a bad habit. So I'm not really calling people an idiot, but I thought that a while ago. Script... <laughs> I should have said that. Anyway. Being real. Yeah, I guess. Keeping it real. I think, okay, Scripture says in Proverbs 1 and 10, My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. If they say, come with us, let us lay wait for blood, let us do this, let us swallow up them alive, let's do it. We're going to do all these things and gain, you know, we're it's gain for us. It's gain for us. I think, very carefully, we've got to be careful what we're trying to, who, what is our, what are we trying to gain for? Right. 
Is it gaining? What's what? What's the cause? What's really the depth of the calls that we're we're in, involved in? Okay, so things are going to get rougher, tougher, whatever you want to call it. I used, and I'm going to open it up real quick. I used on Sunday, if I can find it real quick. I've referred to the parable that Jesus was talking about. The um, um, rain fell upon a rock, and the house built on the rock, and it, it fell not. And I said, and somebody's asked me about it a couple times. The the I said the rain is descending, but the floods are coming. It's been raining. It's raining not right. physically, but but in our world, it's raining. There's a lot of crazy things going on. But believe me, believe me, this is just the beginning, and floods are coming. Yeah. And then I said the wind is blowing, and it is blowing, and this is this is that winds of doctrine blowing people to and fro you know don't be don't be caught up in all that that's what we're talking about this tribalism and and you know these movements and stuff don't get caught up in all that because this is just the beginning the winds just started to blow and it's there's a storm coming great storm coming and and i'm not saying that it's you know december the first i'm not saying it's a year or five years i remember um Oh man, it's probably been five or six, seven years ago. I've, or maybe more than that. I've said it so many times. So many times I would say things are not going to be the way they've always been. And I don't know if it's going to be a year, five, or 15, but there's some bad things coming. And I'm saying the same thing now. I realize that what we're dealing with is rough. Nobody likes this. I don't like it. I don't like not knowing where the church people are. It, I'm a pastor. I mean, my soul is knit with these people, you know, and when they don't call me or they don't, I don't hear from them. I'm, I'm troubled. So this is a troubling time for me, but this is just the beginning. And I think that we've got a lot of more troubling times coming. So somebody asked me, well, what can we do? So what I did was I put together an order of priority, what we can kind of use to plan our future out. And I sent it to you so you can help me keep straight here. But number one, as always, we're talking from a Christian perspective, be right with God. Right. It's that's that's always number one, be right with God. And that's what you gotta tie uh, and, yourself and to. say it again. You have to tie yourself down to something. And these are yes. the priorities in tough times that when the winds start blowing and the waves start rising, you tie yourself down to something that's been faithful, something that you've depended on in the past. And for us, right. we see that in the Spirit. Go ahead. Right, right. So spiritually, being right with God. Number two, have your mind ready. And that means knowing what your order of priorities are. And I'm not talking about this order of priorities, but... I'm, like I said earlier, I'm a Christ follower before I'm anything else. I'm a Christian before I'm a Castleberry. I'm a Christian yeah. before I'm a white male. I'm a Christian before I'm anything. So having those that in order and then knowing, having a mind that says, I'm going to live through this, and, and this being in your mind, I'm going to live through this by the power and the grace of God. Right. And I'm going to keep serving God through this. So having your mind geared, ready to deal with whatever may come. Physical, mental, spiritual issues that come. Relationship issues. 
you know, there's a lot of people right now that are, I, I personally know a lot of people that are separated from the ones they love people that are, that are, you know, I, I mean, I talked to someone recently that their parents was, and I can't remember how old, but it was like 85 or something, 84. And they haven't seen their parents since like March the 1st because, and they want to, they really want to, well, that's hard, but you know, in your mind, this is just what I've got to deal with it. So number three is your body. So it's, I'm going to do number one is spirit. Number two is mind. And number three is body. We need to take very good care of ourselves. And I mean that, uh, um, a physically ill body creates a, a mentally, uh, weak mind. And it, it's like, it's, and I'm not talking about the Holy Trinity, but it's like a, 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 a triangle. You've got body, soul, and spirit. And if one's weak, it affects the other. And, and so we've got to be physically strong. But we're talking about preparing things in the future. And that leads me to the really the primary focus on what they were asking me. How do we be prepared for major storms coming in this world? Those three things are first. But then you really have to begin to look at your life and start building some there's really nothing stable in the sense that it's perfect and, and always going to be there, but you do need to build some resilience into your life a, a way or rephrase that you need to build some things into your life that you can be resilient. That, um, I, let me just give you a couple of examples. I put one of the things that I put on here, multiple streams of income that you can convert to, um, a way of making a living, you know, just invest in things outside of the stock market, invest in things outside of what we, what is called dollar denominated investments. There's nothing wrong with investing in the stock market. I mean, I'm talking, I'm not talking about gambling, but I'm talking about putting money into Coca-Cola Ford or whatever else buying their shares. And you know, you're, you're buying a part of the company, but um, if the dollar, and it, it's very possible. I'm telling you, this is one of those storms that are coming. And I believe we're going to see it in my lifetime, probably sooner rather than later. The dollar's value is very questionable right now. Gold and silver are a kind of a hedge or a, it's not really. Well, it is a hedge, but it's a insurance policy against the dollar. The failure of the dollar basically is, is kind of what it's been looked at for the last 30 years or so. And it's steadily going up. No matter what the stock market does, gold and silver is steadily going up because people are losing their confidence in the dollar. When you put $26 trillion worth of debt out there with nothing to back it up, there's problems. Right. And that's going to be revealed in the next few years. Um, so I, how, there's this is a topic. In fact, we probably need to spend an old hour, hour talking about it. But... You, when you need to, if you have, and by the way, don't let this be a fearful, a fear-driven response. That's not what needs to be happening right now. You need to be preparing as if you know there's going to be a hurricane next year. Right. Okay. Not, oh, it's coming tomorrow. Clear, Let's go logical, get everything. Not emotional. Right. You need to buy things. If you're, if you're going to buy a pair of shoes, buy the best quality shoes you can buy. 
that will endure the test of time. If you're going to buy a vehicle, buy a vehicle that is going to last you. If you're going to buy a house, buy a house that's going to last you. Um, you know, don't waste your money on frivolous, silly things that that's not really a benefit, not a blessing to to your family. Uh, it's been it's been proven, and I'm getting off track a little bit here, but it's been proven that memories with loved ones are more uh, more of a blessing, and I'm I'm not using the right word anyway. I'll say it, and then we'll talk about it later. Is more of a blessing than possessions. Seems Making like memory back to the opening question. Yeah, <laughs> we sure are. Making memories with your loved ones is more valuable in the long term than possessions. So have your possessions, have your shoes, your clothes, you know that. Uh, but but now is the time. Right, right. And now's the time to think logically through these things. Um I'm just going to say a few things off the top of my head. Rental property is a good investment. Gold and silver might be a good investment. Bitcoin could be. I'm not saying it is, but Bitcoin could be a good investment. You might want to diversify out of the dollar is what I'm trying to say. Tangible things like property, uh, gold, silver, things like that, tangible things, tools. And here's the biggest one. The biggest one skills right learn a skill uh but yeah those are the things that i've listed but i i just think that we're the next storm that's going to hit us and and i might be wrong i, I hate to make predictions i've been making them most of my life and and some of them have been wrong but I, i'm always a little early i'm always you can ask my wife you can ask my wife i'm always a few years early crazy but i man. think Say it again. Said he's a crazy man. Crazy man. Seems crazy at the time. <laughs> yeah, but I might be wrong, but I'm predicting, not prophesying, that uh, we're going to have some major financial upheavals. The dollar, the value of the dollar, inflation, that is going to hit us like a ton of bricks probably in whew, year two, three, four. I don't know. I don't know. And they, you know what? There's people, there are very, they're very good, good, solid people on this forum tonight. They might even have an idea. When is inflation going to hit us and how bad is it going to get? Let me give you some perspective. Uh, what, the, what we call Weimar Germany, which is Germany before Hitler, they had their dollars and, you know, coins and all that kind of stuff. Then dollars, of course. They had their, their currency. And one day you could take, a, I'm just going to use an English perspective. One day you could take a dollar and go buy a loaf of bread. The next day it took a dollar and a half. A few days later it took five, I'm talking literally five few days. Before all of that era, that, that three-year period was over, they were literally, they've got pictures of it to prove it, wheelbarrows, full of money to go buy a loaf of bread. That was in the recent past. Zimbabwe, now, um, oh my goodness, my mind, is it Venezuela? Not ben is it Venezuela? Let me look. Venezuela, you know, we had some missionary friends of ours uh, come to the church, stayed with us here about uh, probably 10 years ago now. 
And we were talking, it was crazy. We were like, hey, you know, uh, how's it going down there and all that kind of stuff. Well, and this was right when um, the red shirt guy, what's his name? Not Maduro, but the other guy, Chavez, Chavez. right when Chavez took over, began to nationalize everything. He began to make all the oil well, all oil companies and pharmacies. Everybody was just, the government owns everything. When we left, they come up here, and this is, the, this is kind of a synopsis of what happened. They came, went from their country down there in Venezuela to America, walked into her brother or brother-in-law's house, opened up the pantry to do something, or maybe it was the little closet in the bathroom, I think. And it was like stacked full of toilet paper, top to, sit, top to bottom, you know. And she just started busting out laughing. What do you do with all this toilet paper? And he said, let me tell you, when things go bad, people want toilet paper. <laughs> sure and he enough. said, I'm prepared for, I've got toilet paper. She laughed a few couple of about a year and a half or so later, a few months later, they went back to Venezuela and guess what? No toilet paper. They had to stand in line for eggs. They had a certain day of the week that they had to go to the grocery store. We think in America, we're like, Oh, that would never happen here. But here we are. Seems like on here the, we are on the, edge I'm of. telling you that maybe not exactly that, but something similar is, um, it's coming. Yeah. It's coming. So that's, that's what I'm, that's what I believe. And I think that if you're in the audience tonight, I think you need to, um, pay attention, look around. I don't know how to say it all. I'm, I'm not, I'm, to I don't back, want to be a fear monger. these priorities again. Number yeah. one, spiritual. Yes. Number one, spiritual. Number one. You can repeat number that one. 20 times. Uh, number one, spiritual. We've got to be right with God. We cannot get our house in order, our physical house, get all the goods together and have all the toilet paper in the world and be wrong with God. That's no place to be. No. Nope. This is our temporary home. Uh, number two, mind. Ready to endure. Three, body. We've got to be ready physically. And the last yep. one, the last priority, although it is a priority, is the tangibles. Cash, yep. property, skills, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, one thing that we're seeing also, and this, by the way, if you see this in the spiritual context, it all points to the um, uh, cashless society. Everything goes to the bank. It's all computer, you know, zeros and ones. And it's all known. Everything you do is known. And everything you do can be easily manipulated. So when we look at it from that context, um, cash is starting to become, well, because of the virus, it's dirty. So people don't want to take cash. Somebody uh, recently told me that several Walmarts, even in our area, are not taking cash anymore because it's, it's dirty. It could have the virus. So, you know, now we've got a coin shortage that, and how in the world do they have coin shortage? Man, what do they do? Everybody throw their coins away? You know, it's just strange, but I, I really believe the wheels are turning to get us to that cashless society. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a conspiracy theorist either. I'm not, I just, uh -huh. I'm really not, I'm not wacko either. I'm just seeing this stuff coming and it might, like I said, it might be six months, it might be six years, but you bank on it. Well, I honor you for saying these things because so many are fearful of being labeled a 
conspiracy theorists. <laughs> there we go. I can't get it out. And I'm getting an echo of my ear. But uh, they're scared of being labeled this or that, and they can't just be honest and give an honest evaluation of our times. And so we have to be very careful. Uh, recognize uh, truths. That's something that we mentioned earlier. Find priorities. Determine what is uh, the number one priority. Determine, predetermine how you're going to act ethically. So all mm -hmm. these things mm -hmm. come into play in times like this when we're and don't get at caught up in these movements. Oh my goodness, right? And 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 there's always going to be causes. There will be. There will be injustices. This is the world we live in. Let me let me throw one other thought out there that really is more of a psychological thing than that than anything. Um, but there is underlying each of us. There is what we what we call what is called a normalcy bias. Right. We all have this tendency to think today went by like this and tomorrow guess what it's going to go right by the mm -hmm. same way i'm just going to do this and it's tomorrow i'm going to wake up and i'm going to do this and so we have this bias toward everything unfolding the way it always has unfolded um now if i'm reading the bible right and if i'm seeing the seasons right looking at what's going on around us and what I've been about so far, what I've suggested or thought was going to happen so far, it's happening. I really believe that uh, we need to be careful of our normalcy biases. Right. We need to be, okay. I hope that makes sense. No, I agree. I agree. Uh, we just have a few minutes left. So if anyone in the comment section would like to comment right now, this is your chance. We want you to share your opinion on what maybe something we've talked about tonight, but also something that maybe you've studied, something that you've learned over the recent weeks and months, that uh, maybe something you're hashing out, developing in your mind, and you're learning as we go, just like all of us. Uh, why don't you put that in the comments section? We'd love to talk about it sometime. Uh, next week, again, Tuesday night, we're going to talk about some more topics beyond what we did tonight so ethics we talked about tribalism talked about preparedness uh pastor is there anything that you want to give us tonight before we uh in this series or in this yeah I, I would like to say this uh and i it just comes to my mind again some people would say the tr the church is a tribe and really in a way it probably is but our our tribe <laughs> The church is, it, number one, it's been a good, it's been a virtue to the world for 2,000 years. Yes. It's been a blessing to the church for 2,000 years. Of course, there's times that people are idiots, okay? And there's been people in the church that are idiots. But for the most part, the church was and continues to be intended to be a benefit to the world. We want only what is best, and we control nobody, and we don't force anybody. So I think the greatest thing that anybody that is in, the, in this world could do is to get in the church. Let that be your movement. Let that be the, the number one priority, the movement that you're most passionate about, the, the principle that you build your life on. That's just a simple, I think if you're in the church really living for God and you're connected, and I'm not talking about, you know, yeah, I, I'm, that's my church, but I never go to it. But I'm talking about really involved. You know, you, in that alone, you have, you have people that will help you. 
You have people that will stand up for you. You have people that will protect you. You have people, I mean, it's just, it just, it's just a huge safety net. And then on top of all that, they help you live for God. Yes. So that's anyway, that's all I got left to say. Sorry about that. No, <laughs> I agree as always. It's, uh, if you're in the College Station, Bryan College Station, Brazos Valley area, and you do not have a church home, visit Victory. Come, come to Victory. It's a place where people have come to heal. It's a place where people have mm-hmm. come to grow, develop, mm-hmm. and uh, we've seen some amazing things come out of Victory Church there in College Station. So yeah. uh, we implore you, please join us again next week, Tuesday night at 8 o'clock, and even Sundays. We, have, uh, we stream our service on Sunday. Uh, you can watch us on YouTube. You can come to the church. Uh, we want to see you. We, we would love to put a name to a face because so many times we have people that are commenting even in these videos that we have not yet been able to meet. So we would love to meet you sometime. Wednesday night Bible study. We're going to be streaming that as well. And we have new cameras on the way. And they Woo-hoo! should be here very soon. Yes. We're going to put a time on it. But they have shipped. We'll say that. Yes. So new cameras. That's awesome. Uh, so if there's anyone out there listening want to get involved in our video ministry opportunity, uh, love to get you plugged in and involved in the church because this is a very necessary aspect of ministry in 2020. Anything else, Pastor? I love you. I mean that. I love you, love you, love you. All right. Well, thank you all. I love you. I love you as well. God bless you. You have a great night. We'll see you again next Tuesday at 8 o'clock.